0: The legal cannabis industry has unlocked generational wealth opportunities across the country. But the industry's regulatory complexities, constant state of change, and speed of evolution drive confusion for entrepreneurs and investors alike. On this podcast, we'll interview the industry leaders who are shaping the future of the legal cannabis industry to help our listeners understand these idiosyncrasies. This is Cannabis Unlocked, hosted by Key Investment Partners. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Cannabis Unlocked. I'll be your host today, Jordan Euclid, one of the founding partners of Key Investment Partners. Today, I am very excited to be joined by Kathy Ianzello. Kathy, how are you doing today?
1: Good. How are you doing,
0: Jordan? Doing great. Thanks so much for taking the time here.
1: So, happy to be
0: here. Awesome. Awesome. So Kathy is the co-founder, president, and chief payments officer of KindTap, one of Key's portfolio companies. So... Kathy, would love to learn a little bit more about your career background uh, and personal history and how you ended up getting involved in the cannabis space.
1: Sure. Well, my career started out in financial services back when there were all sorts of new financial technologies being invented. Debit cards, ATMs were new, PC banking, internet banking. And I followed that path of touching where technology and financial services come together working for large financial institutions like Chemical Bank, uh, Bank of America, and, as well as processors like Tesis and, and had my own consulting firm as well. And a few years ago, I, I became aware of just how, how unrepresented payments were in the cannabis industry. How we had just, as a payments industry, abandoned that segment and got looking at ways that I could help with that. And in the course of that, I met up with some folks up in the Boston area who were forming credit force to go about solving the same issues of payments in cannabis. And we brought together a really strong group of people from the cannabis side and people from the payment side and put our heads together to see if we couldn't solve this problem.
0: Fantastic. And I would imagine a lot of our listeners are familiar with the idea of financial services having additional complications in cannabis. But taking a step back, when you talk about solving this problem, could you just give folks kind of a high level overview of what the complications are for uh, financial services, companies looking to work with cannabis businesses, particularly on the payments processing side today?
1: As long as cannabis remains illegal at the federal level, you will not find national and global companies, payment companies such as Visa, Amex, uh, Discover, willing to take the risk of processing transactions that are going to be in violation of federal law. Financial services companies are by nature risk averse. And so, if you're asking them to, oh, it's fine, just take a leap of faith into this segment, it's not going to happen. And so, until uh, marijuana is descheduled at the federal level, we can expect that the traditional payments companies that service the rest of the retail environment will not be there for cannabis. And that means that it's going to be a cash based business unless you come up with some creative solutions that work within the existing banking and payments and um, federal legislation.
0: That's great. And I think uh, a lot of listeners will be familiar with the huge um, issues created by a lot of these cannabis operators having to work predominantly in cash today, not the least of which is frankly just the general security and safety of employees, because obviously these dispensaries are often sitting on quite significant sums of cash.
1: You know, we all talk about how fast this industry is growing and it is, but I truly believe that the lack of payments, the lack of digital payments is holding back the growth of the industry. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about it, what do retailers, what are they good at? They're good at getting people to buy things and to spend more in the store with impulse sales and marketing and merchandising promotions. But If you don't have electronic payments, that customer who walks in with $100 cash is not going to spend a penny more than $100 because they don't have it. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about if you could get especially credit into the store so that people didn't have to be thinking about how they're going to pay before they decide where they're going to shop and what they're going to buy, it's going to change the dynamics in the store and let the retailers really be freed in cannabis to use all those merchandising and marketing techniques that every other industry takes advantage of.
0: Absolutely. Have you noticed any trends in how much customers typically spend if they're using cash versus credit or debit?
1: There's been a lot of evidence, certainly in other industries about the the up. Take in purchases or the increase in basket size when you move from cash to debit or from cash and debit to credit. Um, In our case, while we're live with credit, it's just too soon to have good statistics Mm -hmm. because we only came out of pilot late last year.
0: Sure, sure. And so diving further into Credit Force's solution, how are you navigating these complicated regulatory landscapes to provide an attractive product for customers?
1: Well, with KindTap, we created a company that is also a closed loop network, meaning we have contracts with merchants and we have contracts with consumers, and we agree to work with the merchants and the consumers to move the money electronically. We do not do that over any Visa or MasterCard rails. And so our revolving credit product and our bank pay uh, from the bank account product both move through a regulated financial institution through the ACH network.
0: Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. And Visa recently came out with uh, a press release around the fact that they're not going to continue processing payments that they know are being run, uh, I guess, you know, illegally or fraudulently on the rails. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on how you think that's going to impact the payment solution sector of cannabis today.
1: Um, Yeah, first of all, to clarify, Visa is cracking down right now on what we used to call in the industry script machines, where they are ATMs that are made to look like ATMs when when the transaction hits the ATM network, but they're really not being used for dispensing cash. Mm -hmm. And Visa has just sent out a note to its bank clients reminding them that that is against their rules and that they cannot tolerate that. And so it's going to take a a little bit of time for that to work its way through to the industry. But those cashless ATMs are coming out of dispensaries the way they're being used now. I saw the very same thing happen years ago in the gambling industry Mm -hmm. where they were using it for that. And so there's precedent for this. And um, so what it means for payments in cannabis is you can't cheat you can't come up with a solution that's gray. You can't call it one thing when it's something else and expect that you're going to get away with it forever. And so a cannabis retailer who is relying on a payment system that operates in that gray area at some point is going to face disruption when it's ripped out because it's not ripped out quietly like, okay, and next year, maybe we'll be taking it out. It is like gone as of today.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's wild. And you mentioned you saw something similar in gambling. I'm curious how that played out in that sector.
1: The script machines went away. Mm -hmm. They simply went away. And the companies that were using it went back to cash. And now, of course, there are ATMs everywhere. Physical ATMs are fine. Physical ATMs and dispensaries are fine. But they have to be spitting out cash. Hmm. The problem for the cannabis business is all the expense now. And as you said, the security of putting all this cash into a machine inside the dispensary, having consumers take it out, walk 10 feet, and turn it back in. That's incredibly inefficient, but that's what the industry is going to face. And it, unless they adopt solutions such as KindTap is putting forth that really do, in compliance with laws and regulations, get rid of the cash.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. And so the issue, would it be correct to say, because I mean, theoretically, people could be using a Visa debit card to get cash out of that ATM and then turn around and buy it. So is the, is the difference with the cashless ATM model that there's no deniability, I guess, on Visa's part?
1: Yeah, the issue with the cashless ATM model, there are several, but one is consumers are being misled to be told it's debit. Um, Two, the networks are being misled. The reason they make you round up to the nearest five or $10 is so it comes in looking like cash to the network. Mm. I mean, that should be a big red flag that there's something being hidden, trying to be hidden here. Um, So as long as the machine is literally producing cash, is a true ATM, it's fine. But that little terminal that is the cashless ATM is in violation of the network rules.
0: Got it, that makes sense. And do you have a sense of what percentage of dispensaries across the nation today are using this cashless ATM model?
1: The number is very high. I I mean, there is a lot of volume going through those cashless ATMs. And I think really what we're gonna see is that shift um, until, Kindtap and other alternative payment forms get there is going to go back to the ATMs.
0: Got it. And so you mentioned that Kindtap launched a pilot program last year. And so I'd love if you could walk listeners through what that pilot looked like and how the company's evolved since then.
1: Right, well, we actually launched our product but we kept it in pilot. And, And by that, I mean, we didn't build something that was kind of a prototype and then, oh, there's demand, let's move. We built a scalable solution to solve this problem of of lack of digital payments for the industry. And earlier last year, we launched our product bank pay, which pulls funds from the consumer's bank account via the ACH to pay for purchases. And then late last year in in the fourth quarter, we launched our credit product, which is a true revolving line of credit. But we tweaked a a little for cannabis because it's not, Positioned like, uh, you know, your Bank of America credit card or your Capital One credit card, in that you can pay two percent of the minimum balance for the rest of your life and interest like crazy. Rather, we price it or, or we position this product so that to the consumer, from a payback and access to funds perspective, it looks and acts more like buy now, pay later. Mm. So it is a true revolving line of credit but with payment terms that you pay off the, the total um, amount of the debt much faster. The thought what we're trying to do is allow dispensaries and customers to not have to think about how they're going to pay before they go to the dispensary. Mm-hmm. And so today, what happens on payday and the day immediately after payday at a dispensary? The lines are here tremendously long. Well, with credit, somebody could go to the dispensary on Tuesday, knowing they're getting paid Friday and not have to care because they're putting it on credit and they can budget their repayment of that in their their normal bill payment process as they pay off their credit card or their card line to us. Their Got credit it. Line.
0: Interesting. And does that credit line work for both in-store purchases and delivery?
1: It is, um, yes. The yes is the short answer. Um, It is kind of like the the, um, pay with PayPal button that you'll see or the pay now with Amazon where we provide the credentials for the consumer payment. We integrate it into the software that's running the e-commerce platform for the merchant or the in-store ordering menu so that the customer can simply identify themselves through the purchase process as they're doing already. And then we've linked their tap payment account information to their profile at the dispensary. Very so it's just a push of a button and the order's complete. And that is so important, like with delivery. I mean, the economics of delivery are really being held back in this industry because people aren't really buying cannabis with e-commerce. They're ordering it. And let's say it starts to rain and I placed an order that I was going to go pick up. I'm not going out in this rain and I forget about it. And so the dispensaries just had all the expense of packing the order and now they get to go and unstock it and in some states destroy it. Um, Same thing with delivery. You know, I show up at your door and I've got your cannabis, but you can't pay for it. You don't have enough cash on hand to pay for it. So I can't leave it to you. So I have to take it back. And and when you have somebody pay when they place the order, it changes everything. Mm -hmm. It changes their motivation to go and pick it up. If they've uh, ordered it online, it smooths out that process at the front door. You're no longer standing in the dark with somebody, you know, looking for cash. It just is a streamlined experience.
0: Absolutely. And so for the end customer who wants to use this credit product, what does that initial onboarding process look like?
1: The way it works is if you uh, hit pay now, uh, pay order and pay now um, at an e-commerce site for one of our merchants and they do not recognize you, they don't have your account on file, they will send the customer just pop up a, a, a window and have them do the application process right on their phone or right on the e-commerce platform online. And we put them through a identity validation and uh, lending application. And we bring them back the result in a process that takes about two minutes. And so right in the course of placing that first order, they will get decision approved. If they're declined, we ask them if they'd like to use the pay from the bank account product. And their first order is just automatically put through once that application is done. So there's no thinking in advance, there's no having to wait for several days. It's online, real-time credit decisioning, going against truly against the their credit reports.
0: Fantastic. And are there specific geographies that you're working in today?
1: We started out um, by focusing on, uh, it it has to do with the integrations that we've completed. So we started out focusing our bank pay product in the West Coast and we launched our um, credit product in the East Coast, up in the Northeast. Uh, We will be rapidly expanding throughout the country through these integrations that we're doing with e-commerce and POS platforms that are already servicing the industry.
0: That makes sense. So your relationship then was predominantly with the, the tech platforms, not the end dispensaries themselves. Is that the right way to think about it?
1: Yes. If if a company were to try and take payments into the industry, one dispensary at a time, that's a, a long haul before you start to make any progress. The need in this industry is so great that we believe you have to tap into the existing infrastructure that's servicing it and add payments to that rather than trying to start by scratch selling dispensary to dispensary.
0: Makes sense. And so one of the questions that we get asked quite a bit uh, as it relates to anything in the financial services industry is how do things change after legislation change, particularly probably most near term being the Safe Banking Act?
1: Well. Unfortunately for the industry, the Safe Banking Act will not solve the payments problem. It will make getting a bank account easier for cannabis companies, and that's a good thing. But the Safe Banking Act is not going to be enough to make Visa and MasterCard comfortable with their product being in direct violation of federal law. And so until you get to the complete repeal of uh prohibitions at the federal level, unfortunately, the industry is going to be relying on non-traditional payments.
0: That makes sense. So it sounds like there's quite some runway for you and the KindTab team to come in and fill that void.
1: It's no question. It's good for us. Um, but, you know, it, we're part of this industry too. And it is difficult to see an industry held back in so many ways by so many uh, laws that are just different at the state level than the federal, and the federal has the ability to prohibit the states from giving the freedoms to the companies that they would be willing to do.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's such a convoluted and, and, and wacky regulatory landscape we operate in.
1: <laughs> yes, yes it is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, Kathy, this has been so much fun. Thank you again for joining the podcast today. Uh, as we wrap things up, I'm curious, are there any requests you have to the audience or anywhere that folks can go to learn more about KindTap if they'd like to sign up themselves?
1: Well, the one thing I'd say is, we're still seeing so many examples out there of dispensaries using non-compliant payments. Um, you know, recently I talked to somebody who used a credit card and just be aware that you are, you're skating on thin ice and that ice is going to break. And so start planning for when it does start now looking at other options, because if you put your head in the sand and say, we'll get through it, it won't impact me. You're going to have one day when you're really sorry that you did that. So, you know, not, not trying to scare people here but saying i've been through this before in other industries you can't you can't skirt these regulations and just hope you have to start planning ahead
0: absolutely well kathy thanks again and i hope that you have a great rest of your afternoon
1: great thanks a lot jordan
0: uh take
1: care bye-bye